0: Well, you know what Jesus is wonderful. And we serve a perfect Lord. And he's real and he's alive and his presence is with us right now. And where the presence of the Lord is, there's freedom. And there's help. And we are people who need help. We are needy people. We need Jesus. We need him every day. Even when we don't feel like we need him, and we feel like we've got everything right where it needs to be, we need him. And so we're excited about Jesus. Uh, I love him because he's perfect. He never made a mistake. He has no regrets, no remorse. He needs no one to stand up for him. He doesn't need an advocate, a lawyer, a doctor. He doesn't need a professional person to give him advice. He's all in all and he's preeminent in everything that has ever happened or that will ever happen. And so that's why we serve him and that's why he's the king of every king and the Lord of every Lord and the only true and one God there is, Jesus Christ is the one, the only way to the Father and then the only way you get to Jesus is by the power of the Holy Spirit. This thing is real, it's powerful. And the Word of God is alive, and it's powerful and quick. It's, it's alive. It accomplishes things. It's not like a telephone book or a pamphlet that you get on a traveling trip. The Word of God is alive, and it accomplishes things. Even when we don't know that it's accomplishing things, it's holding everything together. The whole universe is held together by the Word of God. And so that's why we teach you the Word of God best we know how. And today we're going to start in the book of James. We're going to spend three weeks in the book of James. Uh, One of my favorite books, but also one of the most practical books in all of the Bible. uh, It really gets down where we live every day, and it deals with some of the things that we have to deal with every day. And uh, it was written by the brother of Jesus, And if you recall, if you know anything about the Bible, and maybe some of you don't, but Jesus had brothers and sisters just like a regular family, and uh, his brothers really didn't believe that he was the Messiah. In fact, one day he was contemplating whether to go to Jerusalem, and he was getting kind of popular, and his brothers said, well, Jesus, if if you're what you say you are, just go up to Jerusalem and let everybody know who you are. And, uh, and then it goes further in the scripture, and it says, because they did not believe on him. So James was one of those brothers who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but something transpired in between then and, and the time this book was written. As a matter of fact, James uh, became a believer in Christ. Not only that, he led the first church. Contrary to popular understanding, Peter was not the first pope, James was the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. He pastored the church in Jerusalem, and eventually he was mortared for Christ's sake. And so it's appropriate that as we read the first verse of this book that introduces it to us, in the first verse of that book, he says this letter is from James. And here's the transformation. He says, a slave of God. Now, when we think of slave, we think of slavery, and we go back to, you know, the 17, 1800s, we think of slavery, or even how it is today, but he says, you know what, I'm a slave of God, and it's all right to be a slave of God. But then he adds on this wonderful portion, and he says, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not and Jesus, my brother. Because he no longer knew Jesus as a fleshly man, but now he sees him as Lord and King. And he says, I'm a slave of God, and I'm also a slave of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And then he goes in verse 2, and he says, dear brothers and sisters, so he's writing to the church. He says, when trouble comes your way. Now, I've been a pastor that for the last 26 years have taught you that trouble is coming your way. It's not if it's going to come your way, it's when it comes your way. And it will not only come your way one time, five times, or ten times. It will come your way many times. The longer you live, the more trouble you have. Jesus said, on this earth you will have trouble. And so we know that there's trouble, so when it comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So when it comes your way, so get ready, trouble is a-coming. You say, my God, trouble is already here. Well, it is. You got trouble here, you got trouble there, you got trouble all around. This world's in trouble, this nation is in trouble, it's been in trouble. We live among, uh, among a bunch of troubled people, and many times we are troubled and in trouble. He says it's coming your way. This past week I looked at a, a video on, on the internet, on the website of a church in Pennsylvania GT Church, Glad Tidings Church in Pennsylvania, and I looked at the pastor. He's about a 53-year-old man, and he's preaching just a great message. Seemed like just a wonderful guy just preaching, pastoring uh, this wonderful church, and everything seemed great, and within one week from that time, he's lying in a hospital bed in a Medically induced coma. They've had to take his leg off above the knee. This past Wednesday, he opened his eyes and nodded. The thing is, is that he was on a motorcycle. On the back of the motorcycle was his 52 year old wife, Lynn. And one thing he does not know yet is that she's already in a tomb, in a grave. He's in trouble just a Sunday afternoon ride after preaching a great message. And now his whole life altered. Trouble has come his way. I remember years ago standing, sitting in our church listening to a man stand on the platform, not this church, but another church, testifying at how he and his three daughters and his wife were on a family vacation in, in their family van and was, was involved in a crash and he got out and before he could get back in to help anything, the, the whole van burst into flames and he stood there on the side of the highway watching his entire family burn to death. I'm not saying this to depress you. I'm saying to, to you that trouble comes and it comes quickly and it comes out of nowhere and it alters our life sometimes for moments and other times it alters our lives forever Trouble comes our way, but yet in the midst of all that, he stood up and glorified God, one of the greatest men I've ever known. I don't know his name. I couldn't recognize him in a crowd of two now. It was 35 years ago. All I know is that he impregnated me with the ability to understand that when trouble comes, there is help on the way, and the help comes in the way of Jesus. And so we respond differently when major trouble or trauma comes and emotions always run wild. Let me say this about your emotions. You have them. And when trouble comes, you respond emotionally. There's nothing wrong with that. We have emotions. If you're taught ever that you should subdue your emotions and have none, it's false teaching. We cry, we hurt, there's pain, there's suffering. Emotions are a way to release things. Emotions should not control our lives completely because sooner or later, no matter what happens, the dust must settle over the trauma. The emotions must give way to principle and we must recover and live again. It's part of what life is all about. We have to find a proper perspective in the midst of trouble. We have to find a workable perspective if we're going to gain victory over small trials and trouble or over life-changing traumas that have seemingly no way to recover, there needs to be a new life, a different way. When Pastor Coke wakes up, he wakes up to a different life, a completely changed environment, family and everything, but God's grace will be sufficient for him. So let me talk to you about this proper perspective when it comes to facing this trouble that is inevitably coming our way. There has to be this proper perspective, and we must understand that in the principle of the matter, trouble accomplishes some things. Trouble can really accomplish good things. Things that seem to be against us can be turned for us. That's the God we serve. That's the realm in which we live in. And so the proper perspective is found in Scripture. We, we read in verse 2, I read again, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Some of the greatest scripture you'll ever find in all of the Bible is right here in these two verses of scripture, three verses of scripture. There's something that's accomplished when trouble comes our way. And I'm just going to unpack these four or five things that are going to help us to understand how we can take trouble and if we handle it right. It works for us. And if we handle it incorrectly, it works against us. God is for us. He knows what's going on in us. He can work things through us that will accomplish things for us. And so, the first thing he says, he says, the proper perspective is that it presents opportunities. It presents opportunities. Now, we know what opportunities are. We look at them as great opportunities, a new job that pays more money, a better home, uh, maybe moving to a prettier location or a gift. So opportunities that, you know, help us out. But here he says it's an opportunity for great joy. So we have to be aware that there's something bigger happening in the trial than just the immediate trial. There's something, there's a wider picture. At the beginning of the trouble, this tunnel vision, it's like, here is the problem, and there's only the problem, but we need to understand that there's more going on than just the problem. It's an opportunity for growth, and everybody goes through trials, and everybody has an opportunity to have joy in the trials, and, and that is an absolute different perspective than what you and I are used to. With me, trouble is bad. Trouble is ugly. Trouble makes me sad or mad. Am I relating to anybody in the chair? And really and truly what that is is an immature attitude. we'll show you that in the end. It presents these opportunities for joy. But there's got to be a bigger vision for it because I'm going to tell you right now, when you lose a wife or a husband in an accident or you, you lose a family or you, you lose all of your finances or somebody you know steals everything from you, there's no great joy, it seems, right there. There's only emotions. But if we'll hold on long enough, joy comes in the morning. Come on. There's crying at nighttime, but there's a morning every morning. So there's opportunities in trials. There's also... Uh, This thing about trials that test our faith. Let me tell you something, folks. Your faith is going to be tested, whether you like it or not. If you have faith, it will be tested. We cannot get out of the, 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 the test. Faith is a persuasion. I am persuaded that Jesus is real. I am persuaded that the Bible is true. I am persuaded that I am a born-again Christian, a follower of Christ, but there are tests that will come to prove my persuasion. It's why when young people give their hearts to Jesus at the age of seven, need to understand and be taught that the teenage years are coming and you're... Test will come. Your faith will be tested to make sure that it is real. And our, our faith is tested in several ways. There's the pressure test. There's pressure that's put on our faith. You know, how will you handle the stress of the trouble? Whatever it is, how do you handle it? Will you turn to God or will you turn to other things or other people? Will you turn to God or will you let emotions rule you? When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God did a miracle. Moses took a stick and he put it over the sea. And the sea, the Red Sea, opened up and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. And when they got on the other side, when Pharaoh's army was chasing them, the sea closed over that army and killed them all. And then they began to sing and they were so excited of what what God had done. Not long after that, they had the foot of Mount Sinai, and Moses says, I've got to go up to the top of the mountain. I'm going to be back. He went up to the top of the mountain, and he stayed for a very long time. And the children of Israel were instigated at the bottom of the mountain not to trust God anymore. And because they were, there, they were being tested, and all over the Old Testament, it talk, and even the New, talks about how the children of Israel were tested. And so they were tested, and they failed the test, and rather than waiting on God and believing their leader and believing that he had what was, what, what was right, they made a golden calf out of earrings and jewelry. They took off their body. And they worshiped that golden calf and said, this is the God who got us out of Egypt. When trouble comes, when there's delay, when there's any kind of tension or trauma, we have a choice whether or not to give in to the pressure and to seek help from somewhere else other than God. It happens to all of us. The pressure test. James chapter one, verse five says, if you're in the pressure test and if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. He's not gonna fuss at you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure At what? What do you have to be sure at? That your faith is in who? In God. In God who? How? In God alone. Don't waver. Your help comes from above. Your help comes from the Lord. He is your shield. He is your buckler. It has to be faith in God alone. It's the test. It's being prepared to know that God is your test. Jan this morning wrote, and uh, let me find it on my phone here if you don't mind, because now it's all loaded up with a bunch of other stuff. I'm trying to find something important. You ever try to do that, find something important? This is what Jan wrote. She wrote this morning on Facebook, if we walk in excellence, we will respond to trials in excellence. And this is what she said. She said, I received this revelation on June 12, 2004. June 12th, 2004, and she said, on June 13th, 2004, my brother Jerry was killed in a car accident. I was able to respond to this trial in excellence. So God prepares us. He's preparing you for trouble. Isn't it amazing that the day before, that she would get a revelation like that. God speaks and is still speaking to people prophetic words that come from the heart of the Holy Spirit. That God gives you a glimpse of his wisdom to prepare you or propel you in or through trials. That's why we must listen to the Holy Spirit every day and not wait to learn how to shoot our gun when we're in the foxhole. The pressure test, and there's the people test. The people test, God uses people. We hate it, but he uses people. It's his number one instrument, I believe. He uses people to test us, to stress us. Stress, S-T-R-E-S-S, and stretch, S-T-R-E-T-C-H. I don't know if you're being stretched or stressed. But people are usually involved. And the question is, how do we handle disappointments? This is why we like animal movies and animals. We love animal movies because they don't hurt anybody. And they have these sweet little voices. By the way, animals do not talk. That's another person talking through them. But we love to watch them because they they don't infringe upon our rights. They don't cause us any problem. We feel sorry for them. And we'll cry at the movie of an animal. (laughs) And we get mad at people. So people disappoint us, people misuse us, people even abuse us, sometimes on purpose. Sometimes by accident, but for sure, people will fail you, and you will fail people. I have failed people. I have failed a lot of people many times. I have hurt people. I have misunderstood people. I have judged people. I have disappointed many people. I am a pastor. I have hurt a lot of people. We hurt people. And we get hurt by people. But it's how we handle that hurt. Because you see, when you're open to God, if you get hurt by somebody, it hurts. But if you're open to God, when you hurt somebody, it hurts. Everybody hurts. We need help. We need help. You need help. I need help. We need help. Failing is a trial. Did you know that? When you fail, it's a trial. You need these principles when you fail. You commit adultery in your in your marriage, that's a trial. On both sides, by the way. The people test. But we're living with people, and we're gonna be with people for all of eternity. So we wanna go ahead and pass the people test. It is the hardest test. There's the persistent test. The persistent test says, will I keep my commitments? When things are shaken up, will I hold firm to my commitments no matter how difficult it becomes? Will will my marriage, will, will I hold firm to my marriage even though things, how about my family, my business, my church, all of my relationships, everything, am I going to stay committed in the trouble? Am I going to be persistent, consistent, or am I going to run too many people running we run we run we hide we run we hide we failed the persistent test let me tell you we just got to be like an old mule hitch me to the plow and tell me to getty up and I'm just going to pull the plow of life's problems until Jesus brings down the chariot and swoops me up to heaven it ain't easy folks Then there's the priority test when trouble comes. Who are what's going to be first in my life? Is 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 the trial, is the trouble gonna come in like a bully and push aside all the, the good stuff that God has done? Is the trial going to be like a, a nasty, a nasty, filthy bowling ball in a crummy bowling alley that is rolled down the alley of life? To do nothing more than to knock down all the wonderful, white, great things that God has done in my life. I say it's time for a gutter ball, man. Lord, just come on, Lord. Do do something to cause that thing to be derailed to where everything that you've built up so far doesn't fall apart. That's the priority test. It is a test. But you know what? If we'll take opportunities, if we'll pass these tests by the grace of God, not by sheer willpower or any kind of personality, I'm a strong personality, so I can, no, forget it. God will send a trial of your way to take your personality and flatten it like a pancake. Let me tell you what, and all your self will and your self power and your strength, and he'll break it. I'll tell you, a trial will come and just break you down to where you're nothing but a heap of hopeless, helpless flesh. But I thank God that he knows that we're but flesh, and he sends a helping hand. When the tests are passed, endurance has a chance to grow. Isn't that good? Endurance has a test to grow. You see, you cannot be an escape artist. There is not a contest to see how quick I can get out of a trial. I want to get out of trials quick. I don't know about you. Any trouble, I want it to end right now. If I could say a little prayer, I want it to quit. If I could make a little talk, I wanted to quit. I want to fix it. I want to stop it. I, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever it takes, I mean, I'll jump off the building. I'll dig a hole. I'll crash my car. I'll give you my money. Just Can we just get out? I mean, aren't you like that? I want to get out of it. That's so short-sighted. I'm missing the opportunities. I'm failing the test. And my endurance is not growing. You know, David Copperfield and David Blaine, they are illusionists. In case you didn't know, they're not magicians. They're not doing magic. They're illusionists. There's always a, a way that they do it. They trick us. They get out of things so quickly. And you wonder how. They'll walk through a wall. You wanna It's an illusion. But we're not living in an illusion. Our life, our tests, our trials are real. And I cannot just escape them. They're not staged. They're real. They're working in real time, by the way. And sometimes you can't press pause and, and, and try to discuss it. Sometimes it's happening in real time. And in real time is where we make real mistakes many times. Oh, that we can just freeze life, huh? How about rewind it? Let's rewind. Come on, surely, you know, you know, we can rewind it. Because when you rewind the DVR at the home, and I do this all the time in movies, I'll rewind it and then I'll slow-mo it frame by frame. And I get to see all the mistakes that were made that you never catch in real time. But life ain't a movie. And you don't have a remote. And you can't turn it back. No matter what. You've got to endure. Can we make a deal today and not expel all of our faith and our energy to get out of the trial? Instead of getting out of the trouble, let's see what we can get out of the trouble. I want to read that again. Instead of of getting out of the trouble, let us see what we can get out of the trouble. Let's use the trouble to get something out of the trouble. Instead of just trouble. Let's learn, let's build, let's endure... When I was young, I raced motorcycles. It was motocross, 20-minute race, so many laps, depending on the track. Other friends of mine did flat track, half mile, three laps, four minutes. Some long tracks, one mile, three, tra- three laps, six minutes. But others I knew ran enduros, sometimes one day, sometimes three days. I never did race enduros. I was puny and small and wouldn't have made it five miles because the race was one of endurance. That's why they called it an enduro. The bikes had to be strong. They were different. They were big and they were ugly. And the men riding on them usually were also. (laughs) But man, to watch those guys after eight hours Dragging those 500cc motorcycles around those woods and over those rocks and through those those mud pits was astonishing. And when they came through it all, they were better, as is most people. We escape if we escape. We won't reap the benefits of the trouble. We can deny the trouble but you cannot deny the trouble because your faith must face facts. If you are sick, saying you are not sick does not get you healed. Stop it. It's ridiculous. If you are sick, tell God you're sick. Release faith to believe for healing to be healed. Faith faces facts. We do not run from them. We do not escape them. We do not deny them. I have to believe I cannot live any other way with victory than to believe that everything that comes my way passes through the hand of my God first and he allows it. I may be wrong. I may be wrong in that statement. I'm not sure, but it is the way I live It's the only way that I can understand if Jesus is my Lord and King, my shepherd, then I believe that when he allows something to hit my life, he has ultimately a greater purpose than me being sad or emotional. And I can either grow from it or I can sit on the stump of that trial and grow old and bitter and wearied you have to engage the process that God is presenting to you and many times it hurts but I'm not sure that God is all interested in whether or not I hurt or don't hurt he's forming Christ in me for all of eternity he's got a big deal number four he says you know what if endurance grows you will be mature you will be perfect Telios, the Greek word mature Fulfilled, matured. You will mature when you go through trials and you handle them the right way. It matures us. Matter of fact, well, let me just go on. Temporal. In the temporal sense, there's two reasons maturity works. The temporal sense is that it will develop dependable character in you. Man, people have been through hell. Guess what on this earth? Guess what? They're strong people. It's character, man. They've got the scars to prove it, but, but they've overcome, and they're better people. It develops this great character. It develops calmness and control. I love the elderly who have been through so much. When you present to them a situation, they might sometimes give a little smile or a nod Or sometimes it's just this loud silence. In essence, them saying, I understand. I have been there. God is good. You will survive and you will be better. And God will still be glorified. Oh, I love that. I want to be like that. How about you? It develops increased reliance upon God. We're talking in the temporal sense. It matures us. Trouble shows whether or not I am really a God seeker. It takes a spiritual person to receive the benefits of trouble in their life. We could say it this way. Trouble shows whether or not I got the goods or not. Trouble shows whether or not I am spiritual really or I am just carnal trying to make it through. Hebrews 4, 16 teaches us that we can come boldly to the throne of God's grace. There we will receive his mercy. And look what we're going to do. We're going to find grace to help us when we need it most. When do you need grace the most? Huh? You know when you need grace the most? When you're in trouble. We need grace all the time. you on the mountaintop, you need grace. You're on the mountaintop because of grace. But in the valley, you need grace. And everywhere in between, you need grace. But especially in trouble, you need grace. Brian Koch, when he wakes up out of this coma, he's going to need so much grace. I have not ceased to think about him every day since I saw that. We were putting together this message and we said, we need to find a story that really shows people in trouble. And before we left the meeting, we found the trouble story. Not to use this heartbreaking experience of this pastor as fodder for us to preach and have a little tear come down the side of your eye, but to use it for God's glory to say that the story's not finished It's going to mature him. He's going to receive much grace in time of need. And so temporally it works, but also eternally. In the eternal sense, in verse 12 of this first chapter, James says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's an afterward there's the temporal, thank God for good character, thank God for calmness, thank God for dependence and reliance upon God as we walk on this earth, but there's, a, there's an afterwards, and afterwards there's the crown of life to those who have passed the test and have not become embittered and left God over temporal things that could have been fixed with simply one knee touching the ground, one tear falling from the eye, one word of forgiveness, and one asking of healing. The crown of life has everything to do with the eternal presence of God. Sitting on his throne with him, he has promised. Eternal purpose of God. No longer having to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. For his kingdom has come and his will has been done the eternal purpose of God, the eternal pleasures of God, worshiping him, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more offense, nobody that's trouble. no longer any imperfect people, but everyone in the perfect pleasure and presence of God, living in the power, the eternal power of God, ruling and reigning with Jesus for all of eternity. Would it be a waste to miss this eternal thing by allowing temporal troubles to derail us from the wonderful promises that God has given us for all of eternity? So this is what we've learned today. Trouble comes to all of us. Trouble tests. All of us. Trouble can have a positive effect on all of us. Every one of us. All of us. Young, middle-aged, and elderly. Trouble can even be our friend. When we know Jesus. When we know Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Would you do that for me, please? Some of you right now are in some deep, deep trouble. Some it's shallow. All different kinds. Sometimes it's a shallow trouble, but it's so deep to you. Some for some it's a deep trouble, but it seems so shallow. It's all in how we've been handling it and working through things and and as a church, we sit, we listen, we work through things. We, we have to, as friends, as family, as business acquaintance, even in society as a whole. For you who are in this building right now and watching online and... You've let God allow this word to penetrate your heart. Whatever stage you're in, a trouble, maybe none, maybe a lot. Jesus said, ask me for wisdom. I'll give it to you. So that's what we're asking for, Lord. We're asking you to give us wisdom to handle trials in the right way. The reason we're asking for wisdom, Lord, is because we don't know what to do. What is the wise way to handle something? We are putting our faith in you alone, Lord, for answers, for grace. As a church, we call upon your name. We come boldly with confidence before your throne and say, give us help, Father. And we receive that help right now. No matter what we feel like, we receive your help and your grace. For others in this room right now who maybe have never, ever given your full life over to Jesus. Or there may be some of you who have, but yet you've taken your life back and you're not allowing Jesus to control your life. You're simply just living life on an illusion that because you still know things in your mind about God that you're living for Him. If you're in any of that category, anywhere in between and your heart is not really right with the Lord, I want to pray with you right now, right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except to open your heart up to God and then let me help you pray to your God whom you've opened your heart up to. Just follow this prayer. Repeat after me. Let me help you connect with your God. You may be in trouble and maybe you think, well, I'm only coming to God because I'm in trouble. What a wonderful reason to come to God. You're in trouble. What a wonderful reason. Say these words. Say, my Father in heaven, I'm coming to you with an open heart. I'm asking you to forgive me and to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm asking you to change me. I want to be a Christian. And I want to follow Jesus. So I surrender today, completely, all of my life, for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. I want to thank the Lord right now. Thank you.
1: The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van De Cody wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv slash locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation, or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.